Good morning, everybody. It's Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers. And however, Rashawn Myers isn't with us today, is he, Avon? No, he's not he's not with us today, but he will be calling in. He's in a great state of Florida at the uh at a high school basketball tournament with his son, man. They uh they made it to the championship game, so hopefully we can get that update and hopefully there's some good news. Championship game, love to hear that. So we've got me today, intern Roman, and we've got our co-host Haven in. Um, we're going to be holding the show for you all today, giving you all our uh, banter on the recent UofL football and basketball news and updates. Uh, not, a, not a whole lot to talk about there, though, right? Man, it's a ton to talk about. A ton to talk not about. Not positives, I mean, though, I guess I, I should say. <laughs> oh, man, it's a ton to talk about. Man, got the bowl game. Louisville getting destroyed. For the, what, third hot- straight game in a row that was just... Yes, Louisville goes down for three in a row and then gets just obliterated in the Holiday Bowl by USC and their third-string quarterback, Miller Moss, who was dealing. Man, he was dealing. I mean, it was, it was – his passes were a thing of beauty. His passes were a thing of beauty. His wide receivers. I mean, so much to talk about. Kenny Payne. His confidence was a thing of beauty. I mean, oh, first hey. ever start? I mean, yeah. I mean, he, 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 he was ready to go. And then he got, you know, Kenny Payne about to lace him up. I, I believe January 3rd we take on Virginia. Yes, so at Virginia, I believe that's right. And Louisville hasn't won a home game. Excuse me, Louisville hasn't won an, a road game in over two years. So can we get off the snide against Virginia? Can I, I mean, I would love to see that. It's been a minute since I've watched us t- our team win on the road, and we've had in the last couple seasons some games where I thought we were going to win. I thought, oh wow, look at this. We've we're up at halftime or whatever it is. Or we've you know stayed close the whole game, and then right at the end, turnovers and fouls just. You know, can't close the game out. And then, you know, you have a lot of Cardinals hitting the transfer uh, transfer portal, right? As soon as the game ended, they got back to Louisville. Uh, yep. A lot of departures. A uh, lot of departures. A lot of departures. But, you know, hey, the, the portal's still open, so I imagine we're going to grab a couple more folks to to make some things happen. And we're going to talk about as well, I'm, I'm going to give you my thoughts on Jack Plummer. I know a lot of people, including my uh, – my good friend and, and co-host here is Sean Myers. They're not the biggest Jack Plummer fans. I kind of wondered why uh, Brom was stuck with Jack all season long and, and even to start a bowl game. I'm going to tell you why a little bit later in the show. I'm going to tell you why I think that Jack started the whole season, was never really taken out. And I'm going to tell you why I think that was the smart decision by Jeff Brom. Let's get right into it then. Let's get right into it. But first, let's talk about this holiday bowl debacle. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I wasn't – so so going into the Holiday Bowl, I, I was kind of apprehensive, right? I knew that USC had a had a horrible, horrible defense. Yes, um, allowing a lot of points this year. Uh, yes, a lot of points, especially in the second half. I mean, they're a horrible second-half team. Uh, now, USC averaged scoring 41 points a game, you know, but without their top wide – excuse me, without their – you know, some of the top playmakers, a couple wide receivers opted out. Uh, the Heisman winning quarterback opted out. So, you know, you were kind of Running thinking, back, I think, did as well. Yeah, opted out. So you're kind of thinking, okay, you know, with all these opt-outs and them starting Miller Moss, uh, you know, third string, you know, quarterback, you know, Louisville should – now hopefully this is kind of like the Florida State game where it's a low-scoring game and the Louisville could take advantage of their bad defense where FSU had a great defense. USC is not known for their defense. You're thinking, okay, we, we can deal. You know, we can score some points. And, you know, with them starting a freshman quarterback, you know, we, we should be okay. And that was not 
the case. Not the case at all. That was the most surprising part of the game to me, I think. Now, you know, like, like we completely shut down a running game. Like, they only had, like, 71 yards of rushing, right? So, we completely... Uh, Which was good. I was worried about that. I would say that. Not yeah. worried, but I, you know, was worrisome that that was going to be an issue potentially, especially with we had a couple guys sitting out on defense and stuff. But, not, not a couple, a few. But, man, now what we needed to happen, we needed some of the USC's offensive linemen to opt out because um, they may not be a great, great at run block, but, man, could they pass block. Oh, man. Because we had zero pressure on Miller Moss, like zero pressure all game long. I don't think we sacked him once. He had the time of day out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was hit six, seven, eight, no, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten seconds to stay in the pocket and just and just rip it. And anytime you can allow your you know your quarterback to stay in the pocket that long, somebody's getting open. And when yeah. you have talented wide receivers like USC has talented wide receivers, I mean they just completely ate up our secondary. These guys were running wide open. He was throwing dimes. Uh, you know, a couple of times our DBs were in the correct position. To possibly get an interception or to, to bat the ball down. But for some reason, we didn't play the ball as well as we had all season. All season. We couldn't get the deflections we were normally getting. The third down stops was, you know, third and five, third and six. And he's out there making 12, 13-yard passes, you know, on third down. That's just, you're not going to win a, a bowl game like that. But he was picking our defense apart every time he chose to, which was what the one thing I thought our defense, you know, I didn't know. With the with the guys we had not playing, I didn't know what the offense was really truly going to do, how how determined they were. But our defense had been consistent all year long. Um, we'd been good on third down all year long, mm -hmm. especially against the pass. Facts. And for once, you know, it wasn't our offense that killed us. It it, it was our defense. Well, um, you know what? I'm 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 not going to go that far. <laughs> well, Plummer, you know, he's had his fair share of mistakes this season that could have changed a couple outcomes especially in the last three games right correct but our defense in those last three games technically was doing what it was supposed to do and well, i just know that that wasn't different that was different for this holiday bowl well i will say this our, our defense the last three games okay so against florida state our defense did what it's supposed to do our offenses couldn't generate any any type of points or whatever. Against Kentucky, our our defense kind of failed us a little bit. Yes, yeah, special, special U, teams was Yeah. And against USC it just just, just completely disappeared. Yep. Um so this this last three games was super disappointing. Uh the holiday bowl was um super disappointing. I, like I said, I was apprehensive on us winning, but I, I really wanted us to at least be competitive and just to not even be of I'm not gonna say we weren't competitive. We we started out really good, right? And then we had, you know, your typical Jack Plummer turnover. Um, you know, the protection broke down. Getting sacked on third down. He fumbled the ball. But right, right, we scored. We stopped them. We're getting the ball back. We're, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We have all momentum. Fumble, short field. Yeah. Two plays later, touchdown. All momentum shifts. And then it was it was just down after that. You know, we could never could stop the bleeding. The next drive, get the ball back. They blocked the punt. Another short field. Another touchdown. We're down fourteen seven, and you know, just like the Georgia Tech game, where we had a horrible, horrible second quarter. 
uh, where we just couldn't do anything right. The same thing happened here. We had yep. a horrible second quarter. Nothing went right, and it, it was just too much. You know, we, you know, we scored seven points a quarter, but you know that 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 second quarter against USC, we never could. You know, we never could right the ship after that. Mm-mm. And then it, it it was on. Once they had momentum, once Moss Miller Moss felt uh, comfortable in the pocket, we couldn't get any pressure on him. So he had a clean pocket. He wasn't stressed. He could kind of stand back there, make his reads, wait his wide receivers got open. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, the, the dude had a live arm. He had like a really, really live arm. Yep. The USC was calling great plays for him as well. I will say that. They were in tune with what he was able to do, and they let him do it. You know, the kid threw six touchdowns in his first ever start. First ever start, six touchdowns. So it's a holiday bowl record. And – you know, you know, but what can I say? The Holiday Bowl was was a big disappointment. More so, more I was more so disappointed in the defense. I thought that you no, know, we we would at least be able to stop them. That they would maybe get maybe like 21, 24 points. I was that's what I was thinking. But at yeah. the same time, I was thinking surely Jack Plummer in his last official guaranteed game at the moment was going to, you know, play like that. Uh, no, Jack is Jack, and. And we got, I mean, Jack was very efficient. He was like 80% uh, completion percentage, but he only had 100, like, in 40-something yards. He didn't yards. take any risk. No, he didn't take any risk, but maybe the risk may not have been called for him to take. That's true. And another thing is, and this is where um, the opt-outs for Louisville really hurt. Really, and this, yeah. And this is what I want to get into, like, the season for Louisville. And I, I know we're very, very disappointed about how the season ended, right? With a three-game skid, you lose – actually, you don't lose Kentucky. Let me refresh that. You give the game away to Kentucky. Give it we away. outplayed Kentucky most of that game, but with constant turnovers, you know, we just gave the game away. Uh, letting them have big plays, like having the wheel right open uh, two straight times so they can score in 52 seconds. Uh, you know, things of that nature. Kickoff return for a touchdown. It was just too much for us to overcome. And once they got excited, once momentum changed, and they felt like they could compete, it, it was it was hard for us after that point. So we gave Kentucky the game. Florida State just took the game from us. Uh, their defense was just suffocating. We didn't have a quarterback that could lead us to victory against Kentucky, and that's kind of – I would kind of lay the Florida State game a lot on Jack's inability and Brahms not trusting Jack uh, kind of led to that Florida State loss, right, because, you know, we couldn't – throw the ball deep to kind of stretch the defense out. Kind of like we did against USC, we kept everything short. Uh, we kind of threw a couple of deep passes against Florida State, but not a lot. We didn't really connect on any of them. Most of the passes like short into the flat, passes that uh, Plummer's very, very comfortable with, but, you know, really don't move the ball, matriculate the ball down the field, especially against a great defense like Florida State. Against USC, same thing, right? All the passes to the flat, very few crossing patterns. Uh, I think maybe one, maybe two deep shots, and that was it. Uh, but I would say this, in the USC game in Jack's defense and to a large degree in the FSU game in Jack's defense, our wide receivers just can get separation. And this is kind of what I want to talk about going to the Holiday Bowl by missing, and in Louisville offense in general, right, missing Jawar Jordan. And thrash and missing uh, thrash was Huge. critical to this offense. 
And, and more importantly, it was critical to the passing attack because as we see, once Thrash went down hurt and wasn't playing at his at the level that he was playing at the beginning of the season, you know, he was our true deep threat, right? He was the only receiver that was really getting um, separation from the defense, from especially from the defensive backs, right? So once he gets hurt and can no longer get the separation that he was getting early in the season, you saw a dramatic reduction in production from our passing attack because our other wide receivers, uh, you know, Mario Huggins, Bruce, and all those guys just couldn't get the same separation that, that, that Thrash could get. And when Thrash was on there and he was healthy, you know, he was committing double teams which made giving space to others, yeah, yeah, giving space to others and allowing kind of allowing the other wide receivers to get a little space. But once he got slowed down and hobbled by injury, and you no longer had to shift your coverage to his side to you know watch out for him, you we saw the other wide receivers just couldn't get that same separation, right? And, yeah. they, and they weren't making those same catches that Thrash was making. Like they weren't, they're serviceable receivers, but they weren't true playmakers. Guys no. that were going to go up there and grab the ball. That's going to maul somebody else. Consistently get by their man and get open. You know they're correct. Thrashers on a different tier. Yeah, Thrashers on a different guys. tier. And to compound that, you know, you have a quarterback that constantly underthrows the deep passes, oh, constantly, which, <laughs> which makes it a little bit difficult on your passing attack. It's kind of inaccurate on those yeah. center crossing routes as well because he tends to throw behind receivers. It's an issue when your quarterback's the reason for not having a deep threat. Yeah. Yeah. So you had you had those compounding factors, which is why Louisville became such a hardcore running team. And luckily, we had you know Isaac Arendo, right, who who rose the occasion and was phenomenal. Hard running, yeah, hard runner, very very tough back. But once again, when you're missing Jawar Jordan, who was the the threat, like he was the home run threat. He was the guy that could take a, a, a small cut, a small little sliver in the offensive line, hit the hole really hard, make one cut, and was gone. And had the speed that almost housed it every time he touched the ball, and you saw in the first several games that that home run threat made the defense respect him. And then you had Thrash on the outside; you had to respect him, which kind of made it easy for everybody else. Once those two guys left, the offense really slowed down to what you would mostly see, like in the Big Ten, which is three yards in the cloud of dust. But we would throw the ball to kind of keep folks honest. To kind of move the yeah, ball, but play really, action a lot more play. You can yeah. just more play action when you've got that thrash threat and Jawar. Not to say Garendo isn't the same. Garendo's just a different kind of threat than Jawar right, Jordan. Right. Um. And when you've got both of them, and you know we have those certain couple of different formations where I think a both both would be out there occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Um. There's a true true play action threat for even the short game passes where we you know and that's how we were beating a lot of these teams throwing it when we had to and successfully doing so, and that. Thrash, I mean, I just I didn't never really realized how big of a role Thrash played, even on the plays he wasn't getting the ball yes. until he is, didn't play. You know, now yeah. it's like you really get to see. Wow, our receiving core is relied on him. The other receivers even relied on Thrash. So, oh, they did because no, because what what they needed was for him to take the, the best DB to take the best DB and, and to take the attention away from them. Right, the defense could yeah. focus on the, on on Thrash. Which allowed them to do what you know, to do their thing, but without Thrash there being that that our one true playmaker wide receiver, uh, defense is found it easy to kind of cover the other guys, and then to make matters worse, uh, because Thrash at times became our, was our only deep threat really, 
um, it made the coverage really easy, cause especially when you just, just started dinking and dunking a the ball. Then you, you don't have to have the guys to be bring everybody back in, which kind of suffocates the running game. But yep. you know, we still ran the ball really well. Even with even with that, we always ran the ball really, really well this year. Very true. It's just that without that home run threat, it, it just takes a different layer of dynamism off your offense. Yep. And this is what I kind of want to give Brom a little credit for. It's something I alluded to in the intro of the show, right? No, we we look at this season. When, yes, it's a disappointing. It's, it's a great thing. Went ten and three, right? A lot of people didn't think that we would win ten games. We won ten games. We went to the ACC championship, but we you know we dropped our last three games, and that that's leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. But if you look at the pieces to the puzzle that we have, right? We looked at we had only one playmaker and wide receiver. We had a quarterback that was horribly inconsistent that had issues like like we said before under throwing the deep passes uh is little late throwing uh the crossing routes usually behind and low which um you know it's never good for a wide receivers like at least a lot of incompletions obviously interceptions as well a turnover prone quarterback uh but a very serviceable I always say this Plummer would be like the excellent backup quarterback an excellent game manager type of guy to come to come in, knows what to do and can manage the game. But you know he's he's a little slow on reads. He holds the ball a little too long. Doesn't extend plays. Uh, uh, yes, you know th- things of that nature. So if if you look at the season through this, you know kind of through that lens, what Brom was working with, man, to get to ten and three was truly amazing. You know, we had some close calls against Miami. Uh, you know, we turned the ball over three times that game, but we still managed to find a way to win. Um, we almost lost to IU. Uh, we know we had to kind of hold on for that one. Our defense saved our bacon on that one. NC State was, uh, man, it was just a battle. You know, we kind of got over, you know, like bad quarterback play, bad turnovers on that, you know, on, in, in that game. Defense saved us. Um, you know, so you kind of look at the season, look at all these you know near losses, but had these great wins as well. This great win against uh, Notre Dame, great win against Duke. Uh, you know, just completely obliterated Boston College, which I, I still think was Louisville's best game of the season was that Boston College game. That was the game where we were throwing it deep, we were slinging yeah. it like Brom wants to sling it, and then in the pit game, correct. The pit game, I think, was the wrong game to let Plummer try to lead you to victory. Yeah, because of the the weather condition was just horrible. But you know, Brom decided we're gonna sling it. We're gonna pinned on uh, the right arm of Plummer, and it, it just you know it just never happened, right? He just couldn't do it. And I think since that game, you know, Brom was like, okay, we're just gonna run the ball heavily. We're gonna throw the ball enough to keep defensive honest. We're just gonna run the ball as much as possible, and that's kind of what we did, like the rest of the season. Then we kind of got our tight ends. And play a little bit because in the first half of the season, we never used our tight ends a lot. The second half of the season, we kind of brought those guys in. So you know, yeah. so you know, it's it's a lot of things. But you know what? Hey, you're listening to Wake Up Five Hundred Two here with Haven Harrington. Our man Roman Kelly is sitting in the intern running the show, running in the a, show in the commander's seat. We have Rashawn Myers who's out. At a uh, high school basketball tournament in beautiful Orlando, Florida, he, he 
Hopefully he'll call in and give us an update on this championship game. So I know his son made it to the championship game. Yeah, we need, we need some details on that. I want to know how many points he's averaging this oh, week. Oh, heck yeah. Of course we need some details. You listen to Wake Up 502 on 96.1 FM. And we're breaking down a little football season of why Jeff Brom did a heck. I mean, he, I mean, this was a, 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 a I, I think this really kind of touched his coaching, his, his coaching medal. And he, he came through. He came through. There's a couple of things that I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, have questions about. And I think he may have, maybe have gotten Pierce Clarkson in there more this season to kind of get him ready, to kind of get him going, uh, just to kind of see what uh, maybe what other quarterbacks we have in the stable, especially when you saw that, you know, Plummer struggled so much. But this kind of gets into something else I was teasing earlier, which is why I understand completely. I understand completely why you stick with Jack Plummer. And one of the reasons being because you have a successful season. You have a great defense that can save your bacon. As, as Louisville kept winning more and more games, it became harder to justify putting in a Pierce Clarkston or another quarterback on the on the depth chart, you know, to put them in and to groom that other quarterback, knowing that you actually may take some losses while you're trying to, you know, while you're trying to groom the other quarterback to get him up to speed. So the safer bet was to stay with Jack because you know what you have. You know what you get with Jack. You know how to compensate for uh, his deficiencies. Anyway, I think it was, I think it became easier to stick with that rather than put somebody new in where you had no idea what you're really going to get like in, 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 in a game time situation. While you're waiting for him to learn, while you're waiting for him to mature, while you're waiting for other quarterback to kind of get up to speed, you have a guy who's already there, who knows the offense, who's pretty good at you know changing plays, like getting getting you into the right play, knows where everybody should be. Yes, we know his deficiencies, but you know what he can do, and we can work around that versus putting in an unknown quantity and maybe taking a loss or two during the season while you you know kind of build up and train. That, that next quarterback. So that's why I believe that Brahms stayed with Jack. And I get it completely. And I, and I, I understand it, right? I understand. Now, maybe we've got Pierce in there. We lose a couple of games. We don't make it to the ACC championship game, but we win our bowl game or we get a better bowl game, right? Right. So, 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 so maybe those things. Yeah, as the happened. as the season got a little bit more serious and 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 the outcome of what the season was going to end like became a lot more, you know, real and potential for something great, I think it became clear we had to had to go with what was uh, you know, the experience on the team and stuff and and the true true leadership. And uh I understand it. I think you're right. Um but at the same time, you know, you've got to you've got to get these young guys with some experience, and you've got to let them, you know, get some time on the field. Even even in you know, we had a couple moments, couple games where we could have, you know, could have let some of these young guys, Clarkson and stuff, see the field. But uh, I do want to give everybody a reminder, though. We've got our um, Thornton's text line. If you guys want to text anything into us that you want to ask us, our text line is. 502-414-1450. And if you want to call in and give any calls to us and uh, talk to us on the show this morning, our call-in line is 502-384-1450. Go ahead and give us a call. And, uh, Haven, I'm going to take us to break here. We're going to discuss a little bit more about who needs to be uh, – who should have been playing when we get back. Uh, you know what? Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. We'll see you here soon, everybody. 
There is not a better feeling to have a smile on your face after getting your car serviced. That's how it works at Consolidated Tire and Auto Care. Serving Kentuckiana for over three decades, fixing brakes, putting tires on, and servicing your car. And now, from a new and improved location at 3305 Preston Highway. Want to get your car running right and keep it that way? Get to Consolidated Tire and Auto Care, 3305 Preston Highway. Got a question? You can call them at 456-2220. Consolidated Tire and Auto Care, total car care, and the best brake job in town. Matt Dennison here inviting you to join me weekdays at 11 a.m. for the Hoosier Report. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers, interviews with prominent figures in Kentuckiana sports, and discussion of other sports topics important to Southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, weekdays at 11 a.m. on the home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Hi, I am Scott Aldrich, your Jeffersonville Edward Jones Financial Advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today at 282-0000, Edward Jones, member SIPC. Have you ever scrambled for that perfect gift for all the golf enthusiasts in your life? Well, look no further than a Wooded View gift card. Wooded View gift cards are more than just a neat little present. They offer an unmatched golfing experience for our fantastic course located in Clarksville. Not only can they be used for golf, but Wooded View gift cards can also be used throughout the pro shop for all of your golfing merchandise and food and beverage needs. Visit us today to purchase or give us a call at 812-283-9274. McAllister's Deli, where it's made fresh for you. The dining room is open, providing a safe environment following all state and CDC guidelines. Download the McAllister's app to order carryout or delivery. Visit any of our 11 area locations for the regional favorite. Every regional favorite is handcrafted and made to order using fresh, high-quality ingredients. We promise that every generous portion will be served with a smile as big as the one it'll leave on your face. McAllister's Deli. The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of Local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to lu502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. People like you, they don't grow on trees. Look at you, that's what it's gonna be. Have everything I need around my sober Christmas tree. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I love you. Have good cheer. And we're back, everybody. Wake up, 502-96.1. It's uh, Intern Roman here and our co-host, Haven Harrington. Haven, I hope you had a funky Christmas and a soulful Christmas. And a happy new year. And a happy new year. Hopefully, hopefully. No, we'll see. You know, uh, the end of the year, uh, 
ended with a bang for me so far. It's just it's not even a new year yet. It ended with a bang yesterday, so I'm excited. That's good. That's no, good. not really. So when I say in it, when I meant like when I when I meant ended with a bang, because I got ready to end my brand new car yesterday. No, sitting at a stoplight. No, nah, just, yeah, it just put a little hole in the bumper. Just got to replace the bumper, so it's no big deal. But it's that time of year, though, isn't it? I guess so. Driving crazy out on these roads right now, especially in Louisville. Man, you know it. You know it. But uh, let's jump right into it, Haven. I want to talk about this basketball team and another performance that, you know, started off what unexpected and maybe hopeful and ended what? Are you you talking about that, the greatness that was the UofL-UK game? That's what I'm talking about. What a start that first, what, six minutes it was? First six, eight minutes. <laughs> where we I'm like, dealing, we're up five nothing. Oh, this is how it's supposed to be back where, you know, where it doesn't really matter where our records are. It's just a rivalry. It's going to be a close game how okay, it okay, always stop, is. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, look, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. First of all, I hate to say this. Like, even as a UofL fan, I hate to say this. But I'm going to say it because it's true. This really isn't a rivalry. This is just a game that we play against our hated foe in, down east, right? That's true. And the reason I say it's not a rivalry because we we have an abysmal record playing UK in basketball. I mean, Rick beat him like in the 15 years Rick was here. He beat him like, what, twice? Yeah, that's not like even. maybe three times. It was never, I mean, a rivalry is, 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 is a good back and forth, right? They win some. We win some. Like, they may go on a five, six-game win streak. We go on a two, three-game win streak. You know, something like that. Football. Football is a rivalry. Right now, UK is riding a five-game win streak against us, right? Mm-hmm. But there'll, there'll be years where we ride a four or five-game like, win streak against them. Yeah, basketball. Back and forth, back and forth. Football basketball, does go back and forth. Basketball, though, on the other hand. It's completely one-sided. Like, I can't even remember the last one-sided. time we won. It's I like 2013. Maybe well, fourteen. That's the Mac one. Yeah, Mac one. So then maybe like 2014, 15. Yeah. But you know, but still, it's one of those things. It's like it's 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 it's, it's not competitive. Kentucky's basketball program in the last, I'd say, guaranteed six years, definitely five years, has just been on a different tier, yeah. you different know, different yeah. realm. Of Louisville's basketball. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, but it doesn't matter. Like this game, I was at the game. Uh, we were all thinking, kind of prior to the game, that it's going to be a majority UK <laughs> uh, outing here in the yeah. Yum Center, right? Like there's going to be like Rupp West. It wasn't. Now, I would say that there were probably more UK, like slightly more, like a yeah. 55 50. It looked a little more on TV and then. Um, I, I was just like in person, it's like a forty-five, like a fifty-five, forty-five UK lean in the Yum Center, which yeah. never, which in a rivalry game should never happen. Like you should never have that much blue, no, never in the Yum Center, like ever. Right, there should never be that much blue in the Yum Center. And when they start cheering with their Go Big Blue chants, it was loud. It, it was it was just disheartening, but. Did anybody expect anything different, right? Like, we started out really good. You know, had the 5-0 lead. Which I was almost, like, I wasn't even surprised, honestly. I, I kind of did sound as if it was, you know, something that was going to happen. But, at the like, I knew we would – I was not surprised at all we had a lead and immediately started playing bad. I knew that, you know, 
it wouldn't now, be. We've was, had a couple games like that already this year. We was had it a that we started six playing point bad. Lead. Now, was it that we started playing bad, or Kentucky just started being Kentucky? That's true. We Louisville started being Louisville, and Kentucky started being Kentucky. I mean, Louisville was. I mean, Louisville was always like we were always Louisville. Like, we never changed. Nope. It's just that you know, we we played hard, and then as soon as a little, little bit of excitement came, in the first few minutes, little excitement. Kentucky decided, okay, 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 let's let, let, let's play for real. Yeah, hold on now. <laughs> yeah, they played for real. And in the second half, it felt like they were just – it felt like Kentucky was just kind of playing with us, right? Like Kentucky easily could have beat us by 30 or 40 points. And they decided, eh, you know, we're not going to do that. Come on, we're going to hold the ball a little bit. We're going to run around. Yeah, shooting shots later in the shot clock. And yeah. Maybe not the first or second shot option I could tell on some plays. They were trying to let everybody get involved and whatnot. I mean, because I mean, Louisville just—I mean, we just didn't have the fire part. I mean, even if Evans and JJ Trainer were healthy, you know, we just didn't have the firepower. No. Now, after the game, everybody was talking about, okay, we got to fire Kenny. Kenny, this is it. Kenny's gone. Kenny's gone. He—he—he's done. He—he's done. They're not gonna fire him after a game where the outcome was expected. Oh, uh, you know, but you know, it was—it was just, you know, it was just so much. Before that, right? That's like true. Louisville not having a 2024. Well, take take that back. We do have a 2024 recruiting class. We have one guy in it who didn't sign his letter until national signing day. So he may sign it on the next signing day, but he didn't sign it currently. We really haven't been associated with any other uh, top 100 basketball players, right? And so, and Kenny was sold to us as a mass recruiter, and we haven't really got anything, at least not this anything. class. Nope. And then in a press conference. You know, another failed press conference where Kenny gets out there and I think the intent of his message wasn't what he said or whatever. It was just horrible. Basically got out there and said, you know what, Kentucky, Louisville's not a blue blood program. There's no way I, you know, there's no way we can or I can recruit against the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas and Kansas of the world. So the guys I go after, I sneak and go after, don't tell anybody. So nobody else comes out and gets these guys. I'm assuming he's talking about the Fabio Basilis and the Cron Davises of the world that the other schools I really didn't want anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess those are his, his diamonds in the rough he's going after. But uh, just a horrible press conference. And I'm just sitting there. Not like, the first either. Not the first. Long straight. What what's up with that? Why does he have these issues in press conferences? Does he not have somebody telling him, okay, you need to go address these three things and not you know, answer these kind of questions. Like, surely he has somebody giving him a little guidance because it's like he does not know what to say. Uh, from my eye, okay, so a couple things I've heard is that people tried to talk to him about that, but he just he just doesn't listen. That 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 that's some of the scuttlebutt that I, I've heard. That's so but, weird. But but who knows? You know, I'm, there's tons of marketing folks over there at U of L. They could kind of help him massage that message a little bit. You know. And I think sometimes it's the fact that Kenny just actually may be just too honest. And, like, you know, we we all love – okay, here's the thing. All media members, myself included, all say that we want our you know our coaches and players to so just be honest with us. Just tell us what, what's really going on, right? Just just be super honest. But in all honesty, we really don't want, like, our players, our coach to be super honest. We want them to be, like, pseudo honest and then give us a little coach speak. And yeah. that's kind of what we're like, what we really like, we really want. Kenny Tell is just what we want honest. To hear a little bit too. Yeah, like when Kenny was talking about the IU game, it's like, 
He tricked me. He played zone. Kenny was being honest. He got tricked. The dude played zone. He wasn't expecting that. Now, should you ever say that out loud? No. No. But he said it out loud anyway, right? Yeah. You, you say that just, a lot more vague than that. You yeah, say, yeah. You know. Yeah, just being way too honest. Uh, you know, the whole comment about, you know, I've just secretly recruit guys. You, you don't tell people that you secretly recruit other players. You, once you tell people, it's not a secret anymore, number one. That's, that's what you're doing. Number two, by secretly recruit players, what you mean is guys nobody else wants. You know, he pretty, he pretty much admitted that I'm not going to go after the top guys, so I don't think I can get those guys. So I'm going to go after the second or third tier guys, which is fine if you think you can coach up that second or third tier group. The problem is Kenny hasn't shown he can coach up the second or third tier guys. Yeah. And and that's the issue running into. It's like we just don't believe that you can coach these guys up. We believe, and what a lot of us thought when you hired Kenny Payne is that you want to come in here because you said that you had connections with Adidas. You had connections with Nike. You know, you hired the kids whose uh, parents founded Rock Nation. So, you know, we may get some, you know, some some connections from the Rock Nation connections. And none of that has happened. As a matter of fact, in a press conference, you come out and it's like, you know what? Maybe going to the portal and getting all these young guys wasn't the best thing. It's going to take these guys a little while to learn my system and blase, blase, blase. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't have gotten some more uh, some more experienced players. What, yeah. Yeah, but no duh. Like, everybody knew you should got you, you get you get some more experienced guys uh, some more experienced guys through the play uh through the portal everybody knew that that's i mean i'm not the world's biggest basketball fan and i know that college basketball is one is all about guards two is all about older experienced teams that's why a lot of teams go through the portal they go through the portal to get older experienced players players that's been there that's done that that you don't have to teach a lot of basics to because They've been in the system or somebody's system for three, sometimes four years, right? They have experience at this level. They're like plug and play. You get these guys, you plug them in, and you go. Yep. I mean, but at the beginning of the season, I was telling people, no, this is going to be, yes, we may have a more talented roster. Now, it's the same roster. We still don't have shooters on your roster. You still kind of have a deficit of, you know, kind of like a round, you know, a well-rounded team that you would want. But. With that being the case, is it more talented roster than last year from top to bottom? Well, yes, it is. But they're all young, and young teams take more coaching. Young teams are going to have more ups and downs. They're going to, you know, you're going to take your lumps with young teams as they get the experience they need, as they learn the game. But after a four-win season, you can't afford for these guys to take their bumps. You need guys ready to go and ready to play. And I was just hoping that, you know, that's what Kenny would do. He would get all the guys he did. He went with the youth movement. Fine, but this is what happens when you go with the youth movement, right? You go with guys that – experience. And experience. Needing more coaching. Needing a lot more coaching. And I'm just not convinced that you have the ability to coach these guys up to where they need to be. And so far, no. I mean, this. so this first part of the schedule, if, if you look at the schedule, it's like the 300th and – I think like 324th ranked schedule so far in the nation. One of the easiest schedules out there. This Louisville should should have been eight and three, with only losses coming to UK, IU, and Texas. Every other team on this uh, on the schedule so far was 
infinitely beatable. Yes. All winnable games. All with, with the company coach and and coaching and play calling and everything else. You should have easily been eight no worse eight and three. No worse eight and three. But now we're sitting at five and six, right? With a lot to work on still. But the lot to what a lot to work on. And now you're going into meet an ACC schedule. Who knows what's going to happen there? I, you know, Louisville's going to look up, and we're going to win one, two more games. And that's because like we're going to have at least two more nights. Where we're more talented no, roster. Not, not that we're more talented. We've been more talented and we're still losing. That's true, but we've, we've got I mean, games where we're closer. You no, know, we've been like way more talented. What's going to happen is, is that we're going to get one of those nights like we had against West Kentucky last year where everything just – our pepper dying this year, right? But we just can't miss. Yeah. Where everything we all the threes we shoot just go in and we just have one of those nights or one of our guys just goes off. That's what we'll need. We're gonna need one of those nights. Listen here, Haven. We've got some texters coming in. We're gonna go to break here in a few. I wanna let you know that we got some questions for you about our uh about the, the we've got a trick play on the kickoff that they want to discuss. We've got some transfer porter questions we're gonna discuss. And um some Christmas Day content games that people want to talk about more nfl than nba they're saying they want there we go so yeah we're gonna uh address those when we get back this is wake up 502 i'm intern roman and we've got haven the co-host in as well we'll be back kentucky Atlas only locally owned sports talk 1450 and 96.1 fm the big x sports radio wxvw jefferson T.A. Jenkins and T.A. Jenkins Company, LLC. Proud sponsor of high school basketball on the Big X. Call Terry Jenkins at 812-989-7381 for your residential and commercial construction needs. Design, build, or remodel. It's T.A. Jenkins Company, LLC, located in New Albany. Email Terry at tajenkins at tajenkinsco.com. That's G-I-N-K-I-N-S. T.A. Jenkins Company. Try to run upon it. The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of Local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to lu502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. Crack Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Are you tired of overpaying for sunglasses that you lose or break in the first week like Trevor Kelsey? Of course you are. It's Mike Rutherford here for Shady Rays. Polarized shades at a great price that you can try for 30 days risk-free. And even if you lose them or break them, they're going to send you a replacement pair. Plus, every pair you buy from Shady Rays goes to fight hunger in America. You can't beat that. Go to ShadyRays.com right now and place your order. And when you do, use promo code BIGX to receive a 25% discount on your purchase. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Take a look. 
content of listening once again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. Good morning, everybody. We're back. It's intern Roman here and uh, Haven, our co-host. We've got some uh, texters in that we want to address for you all. We've got some pretty great questions here. Haven, you hear me there? Go ahead and read those texts, young man. Sounds good. So first one says, good morning, Wake Up 502. Happy New Year. It's going to be a terrible three months going through basketball. KP Mafia won the case of having KP around until the end of the season. That's what I was telling a buddy of mine last night. I said, I think he'll be around until the end of the season. I think he's already, you know, gotten close to what the low expectation I'm assuming was. No, actually, uh, I don't want to keep around for financial reasons. <laughs> Honestly, because, they don't want to pay that payout. That's right, because on March thirty first, his uh, buyout drops by two million. So, you know what? The sponsors let it ride. He can't get any worse. He can't get any worse than what you did last year. So, the seasons already can't really go anywhere. It's not like we've got a chance of really doing anything in March at all already. Yeah, so, I mean, March is open. You're not, you're not going to tournament. So, you, you know. might as well just let him stick around till he's a more affordable to kick out, right? Exactly. That makes sense. That's what I would do as well. Two million's a steep drop. Worth saving that money. Oh heck yeah! Because you know, because we need all the nil money we can oh, use we can to get. <laughs> and I mean, because the football team got to start dealing. Because uh, like like we said earlier in the show, man, we got a lot of guys transferring out of the uh, of the program and jumping the portal. With Brownlee, uh, our top DB, has said he's declaring for NFL draft. Of course, you already mentioned Jordan and others that, that uh, declare for the draft. But like, as soon as these guys got back home from uh, from the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, you've had about four or five guys just opt to go to Portal, which was expected, right? Uh, Amari Huggins, Bruce, is, he decided he's he's going to transfer out. Uh, yeah, one of our defensive ends who's going to transfer out, but you know, honestly, he only played like two games. Uh, we know he played in one game. He was a transfer from Penn State. Yeah, came here, played. I think a one game. He's transferred back out. So, whatever. We'll get uh, we'll get some of those more kind of you know only planning to come do that one year. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it is what it is. This new situation. So it's part of being a big program. Yeah. Too. So you know you got to go back out there and you got to you got to reload. And I have full faith that Jeff can, the Jeff Brown reload. Now do I have faith that KP can reload? No, I don't. Uh, are we going to lose to Virginia? Yes, we will. <laughs> are we going to lose by a lot? Probably. Oh, I think we'll probably lose by like fifteen, about fifteen points on the road. Uh, you know, we have, you know, this program has not won a road game in two years. I don't expect them to start now. Yeah, we'll start um, off with the eight to two lead in the game and still, you know, be down I, ten yeah. at halftime. I, I think the only team that we honestly have a chance to beat is Notre Dame. Are they bad this year? Notre Dame is beyond horrible. Like no, Notre Dame is trying just trying to keep up with us for like bad basketball. Oh wow! So I like, no, they were like bad. yeah, like no, yeah, they're god awful. So Notre Dame, I think according to Kim Palm, I think like Notre Dame is like literally the only team that we are favored to beat. Um, yeah, looking at the schedule coming up, I don't see any other game. Oh, the month of January is going to be it's going to be going to be really bad. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. It's it's, it's going to be brutal. This next, I mean, yeah, Pitt. Pitt is also one of those games that not in the last couple of years, but in previous time. Pitt and Louisville used to be a great game every year, you know. Yeah. Maybe we get a reminiscent game like that. I doubt it. 
<laughs> I, I, I doubt it. But you know, but you no, know, like like I said, one of these games, just like last year when we beat Clemson. There'll be another game like that where we'll just play above our level and we'll win. So right now I'm thinking Notre Dame. Notre Dame and then somebody. I don't know who that somebody else is, but it, it'll be a somebody else that will be. Jeez, we'll I don't know. To, we'll get to six wins. No, I, I put us at seven I, wins this season. I'm looking at it, Haven. I really don't know. Maybe Florida State at home. Maybe. Maybe. We but, might only have two more wins on the schedule. That's No, I, I'll put us at seven wins. That's Three more than last year. That's yeah, <laughs> improved year, right? And then we can go get a, a another coach. That's true, and some recruits. Yes, we've got uh, Rashawn here on the line. Here we're gonna we're gonna get him on and see what Mister Rashawn has to say to us. He's missed uh, missed us, I'm sure. Mister Rashawn, you on here? I am on here. What's going on, fellas? Good morning. Good morning. It's, it's good to hear from you. What? Absolutely, man. Coming down here from uh, sunny Miami, Florida. Okay. You're in good weather down there compared to what we've got going up here today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nice here. And it's funny because they said it's cold down here. It's about it's about 70 degrees down here in Miami right now. They're, they're telling me it's cold. But you know what? <laughs> For Miami, that is cold. Better than, yeah, right? better than know, 37 degrees and wet. Chilly. I said, we must have brought some cold weather from Kentucky. Yeah, y'all brought it down with you. But from what I'm hearing, though, it seems like that I don't – maybe not, though, because your son's team's hot in the championship game. Yeah, yeah, the fellas – so I'm, I'm down here, and I'm uh, my, my son, uh, of course, plays for Holy Cross. Uh, and Holy Cross made it to the championship game of the Palm Beaches Invitational. Um, which is an invitational tournament they hold down here uh, in Miami and uh, West Palm Beach every year. Um, and they, they did, in fact, make it to the finals um, playing uh, St. Albans, uh, which is a, uh, a prep school up in Washington, D.C. Uh, they knocked off another um, DFW team, uh, Sandy Spring, in the semifinal. So they had already knocked out one D.C. area team to make it to the final. Uh, but in, unfortunately, in the final game, uh, they fell just short. They lost 62-60 in the championship game. It was a great game. Uh, there was a young man for St. Albans, um, Grant Hood is the young man's name, just had an absolutely unbelievable performance. He had like six or seven three-point shots. Wow. Oh, good um, Lord. He needed every one of them to beat Holy Cross. Holy Cross was playing shorthanded. They're starting um, a small forward, power forward. One of their big guys uh, had been out uh, with the flu. He didn't get to play at all this weekend. So, you know, uh, Holy Cross was playing shorthanded um, the whole week uh, without Alex Jenkins, and they still found a way to make it to the final and gave a heck of a performance. That's resilient. Uh, but just came up just short in the end. Resilient. Okay, okay, can I time out, time out. Tell us what we really want to hear. How did Cam do? Yes, sir. How did Cam do? <laughs> Well, hey, hey, Cam did his thing. Um, he, he played really, really well. Um, uh, not he did, he did, um, knocked out a couple three-point shots um, in, in a couple of the games. Of course, he was a standout on defense, led the tournament in block shots, uh, was one of the leaders in uh, rebounding um, as well. I was averaging about five or six points a, a game. You know, he doesn't. he's not necessarily a, a primary offensive option, but when he got his opportunity – um, you know, down he, the uh, shots he he's taking. Yeah. He, he was there. He's shooting about eighty percent from the field. So he did his thing. No, three it was, and D. It was great. Um, it was 
a, a great experience for the team. Um, really good competition down here. They had um, three tournaments going simultaneously. They had a national division tournament, um, which was, I guess, what you would consider some of the powerhouse um, high school teams around the country. They had the American division, which was kind of the uh, second level, and then they had a girls' tournament. Actually, Bullet East uh, from, from Louisville uh, as well made it to the finals. Uh, they unfortunately lost to Christ the King, which is a powerhouse girls' program out of New York City. Um, uh, but, but, you know, you had Kentucky represent. Kentucky made it to the final in two of the divisions. So that, that was awesome. That's, you love to hear that. Louisville made it. Or no, well, now, Bullet. Yeah, Bullet. yeah, yeah, Louisville was representing. That's, that's, that's good to hear. I'm glad Cam's playing well. Championship team being resilient down there. Three and D guy. Yeah. I will say he was, he was, um, he was really he really impressed some folks. A lot of folks, uh, you know, asked me about him and asked where he's going to school and and you know what what what's he got going down because uh, you know some of these guys that he was playing against. There was a kid for Sandy Spring that came into the game averaging thirty points per game, big man six seven, and Cameron completely shut him down. He only had I believe sixteen, fifteen, sixteen points, and you know the, I think Cam blocked his shot four or five times during the game. They were really impressed. So he he really showed well. Um, Holy Cross show well. Of course, Holy Cross is a uh, uh, superstar. Jacob Hand had an unbelievable tournament. He made the all-tournament team averaging over 30 points per game. Um, so, you know, Jacob does what he does. He's coming up on 2,000 points for his career at Holy Cross. Oh, wow. um, So it's a very special team. I, I think Holy Cross is going to have a great chance. They have the LIT, of course, coming up this week um, that they'll get started. And then yeah. the All-A. Um, tournament as well for all the single A tournaments uh, in the state of Kentucky. So Holy Cross still has a bunch of big time uh, aspirations ahead of them. So I, I think they're going in the right direction. You heard it, folks. Holy Cross out of Louisville has big aspirations this season, and they've got a good team this year. I see them do. I see them doing well Absolutely. in that LIT. If they're playing down like that in Florida, yeah, they, could, they, yeah. could, they could win that LIT. Oh yeah, I, I told them. I, I told the fellas. I was like, if they if they bring the same energy and they play the way they did down here. Playing against some nationally relevant teams, yeah. they can win. They can beat anybody in the state of Kentucky. They absolutely can. Well, we love to hear that. We love that y'all are down there enjoying the holiday, enjoying a little bit warmer weather than this thirty-seven degrees that we've got going on up here right now. Ooh, <laughs> Watching some basketball. <laughs> well, I, I get it. Actually, the fellas are on their way back. Holy Cross will actually probably land in Louisville there about one thirty this afternoon. I'm taking an extra day in Miami here just to me, myself, and I to enjoy the weather. So I'll be headed back tomorrow for New Year's Eve festivities. I'm sure Jay has will be on a little bit later on. Um, it's expected we're going to be doing some things over at uh, 21st in Germantown uh, tomorrow evening uh, for, for, New Year's, uh, for New Year's Eve. So I'm sure Jay will be along to tell you guys about that. But can't wait to get back in town and uh, see you guys and uh, chop it up as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 21st in Germantown for New Year's Eve. Okay. We're going to have to put that on the schedule, everybody. That's right. Now, number one, right. that's Rashawn. right. That's going to be going down on Sunday night. I'll be fresh off the plane, but I'm still going to make it out. My man, 50 grand. Now, you know what? <laughs> now, <laughs> hey, and before, hey, fellas, before uh, I get off of here, um, you know, I would be remiss if I did not shout out uh, Mr. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Shout out Lamar. Shout out all the haters. And knocking off the 49ers. I, I have to give him a shout out, man. I think he's I think he settled his case for MVP. What do you think? Oh, most definitely. I think anybody who was talking about Brock Purdy, 
you know, as an MVP candidate or or McCaffrey. Uh, I think he put all that to bed. You know, all of the haters uh, just going out there and trying to give Lamar a bunch of flag and talking about his stats and everything else. I think he put it to bed. I'm excited for it. The Ravens got uh, they take on the uh, the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins tomorrow, and they can lock up uh, the the number one overall seed in the tournament. So. Um, I'm very, very excited for that. Home field will go through Baltimore, uh, and I think the Ravens is going to be ready to do something big. Yeah, I, I think Lamar's going to get it done. Haven, what you think? You think they got a shot? This, this is Lamar's Super Bowl? I mean, this is best year yet. I mean, it, th- this is it. If he doesn't make it this year, then uh, I'm not sure about the other years because cause this, is, this is it. He has the team. He has wide receivers. You know, the, uh, Kansas City is coming is, back. Kansas City is suspect. Uh, everybody, Buffalo everybody suspect. Is. I mean, this is it. This is time to shine. Hey, the only team I don't want to play Haven is the Cleveland Browns, man. The Cleveland Browns. I don't know what Joe Flacco. I don't know what fountain of youth that man's drinking from. I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to see the Cleveland Browns. They just absolutely pummeled the Jets last night. They won like three or four in a row since Flacco uh, came out of the cemetery. He rose from the dead <laughs> like some zombie. Flacco's and now, slinging that and now thing. Now Cleveland's winning games. He's the old man. Take some time off and let your body re- rejuvenate. You can do this. I saw a funny tweet saying that these new DBs are light work to him. They're not the same tier of what he had to go against. So that's why he's playing so well. But uh, yeah, Lamar. He should be. He should have a great chance to make it as far as he's ever made it this season. Um, I, I like his chances. I like his odds. He's the MVP right now. And um, yeah, you know, we'll see what he does this weekend against Miami. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. But well, I'm also very interested to see what happens. It's not just with Lamar, but what happens with Russell Wilson in Denver? What did you hear that? That they're thinking about dropping him? Yes. Okay. So. His contract is coming up. He's going to be, I think he's going to be like a forty million dollar hit to Denver's, um, uh, to Denver's uh, bottom line, right? Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to you know, get other players, whatever, you know, the NFL has a hard salary cap. So that forty million dollars is going to go against the salary cap. It's going to greatly impede them, you know, signing current players and getting new players. But they literally just told the man that. If you don't renegotiate your contract, a contract, mind you, that Denver agreed to, that if you don't renegotiate your contract, we're going to bench you. And that's exactly what they did. They benched him and then tried to belittle him and try to, you know, try to talk down to him and whatnot in the media. Basically, kind of same things, almost the same things they kind of did that the Ravens did to Lamar, right? Trying yeah. to trying to downgrade when him. He he's first not that said good. That he's not, yeah. Basically, just trying to uh, try to make it so other teams like don't want him and try to force him to renegotiate his contract for lower money. But but why? I mean, the man just beat Kansas City. He's coming in. He's dealing, and like this is what you do to him. The, what a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Yeah, he, he may have lost a step. Yes, he may not be as good as it used to be. Yeah, he may be making a little bit more money than he's worth. But but still, he's as good is, as you're gonna get right now. You're not gonna get anything better anytime sooner. I mean, your team is trash, and he knows how to win, and he's and he knows the formula to win. He's seen it. He's seen it multiple years. He's even in years that he hasn't won, he's made it far. Um, I, I think what they're doing to him right now, 
Now, granted, okay, I have talked to a couple Broncos fans, and they have told me that if you don't watch Broncos games every game, then you don't have the ability to understand as well that the offense never in his time there has looked like it's been comfortable, like you know what's to come next, right? And I do understand that that's kind of a big deal when you're paying somebody that kind of money. You want you know, your offense to look like it has an identity. Um, and that's what the, you know, from what I've been told from a few Broncos fans is one thing that they've been struggling with is having a true identity with how they want to play and when they want to throw the ball and how they want to throw the ball and whatnot. Well, but, know, now, but, but how much is that is on the, the play calling rather than the actual person holding the ball? He can't call every play. He's not in charge of the whole team and what they do on offense. He's just one player. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, now, how much is that is on Sean Payton? How much, how much do you think that maybe when Sean Payton was his masterful offensive guru in New Orleans was maybe just Drew Brees holding his water? Yeah, and great athletes around Drew Brees. I'm a Saints fan, so I already know the formula to 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 Sean Payton's success. You know, get great athletes um, and masquerade around them. <laughs> Um, not not to say that he's not a great coach. He's he's a good coach. He's a, a brilliant offensive mind. But I mean, but, but you never know. You know the same thing can be said Kansas City, right? Like Kansas City gets like Benjamin leaves because he wants to become a head coach. He goes someplace else to you know he goes to Washington Commanders, become their offensive coordinator. To show that you know it's just not because that he is at Kansas City. It's yeah, not Patrick Mahomes makes him good. He's actually a good offensive play caller. And yes, the Commanders do suck. But that but, offense is better than it was last year. Correct. The offense is better than it was last year, right? And you notice the precipitous decline in Kansas City offensive output. Yeah. So, for me, that's two Stagnant things. Stagnant now. Yeah. So, for me, that's two things. One, I think they underestimated the value of Tyreek Hill oh and what he brought to that, that Kansas City offense. Like, his ability to take the top off the defense is like no other. It yes. is like no other. And, and I've I, been telling a couple friends of mine this. Literally the exact same point you're making. They're going to regret it. Yeah, and, and and I think that, you know, Kansas City had tried to do like what New England did, right? Where they were thinking, you know, we can plug in anybody at wide receiver because we have this super awesome quarterback, this transformational talent in Patrick Mahomes. We can just put anybody Any in. Any young and fast or yeah. small, fast, and strong will make it work. Yeah, it, it'll be all right. And – they're finding out it's no, it's not all right. Yeah, Patrick is a great quarterback, but you still he still needs weapons. You know, he's not Tom Brady. Tom Brady's probably the only quarterback. Well, first of all, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Hands down. Two, I mean the man, he's the greatest of all time. You know, he doesn't need like a lot of offensive weapons to be great. Some quarterbacks need more weapons, right? So I think now you're seeing like what happens when you know, you have average wide receivers now. You still have the, probably the best tight end in, in the NFL in Kelsey, but now you're surrounded by average wide receivers, which makes the team just look average. I mean, it's still a very good team, but they're not, you know, the Kansas City team that we're used to seeing. They're not the, the Kansas City team of old. No, that and, team that scares you on third down. You know, they're not that. they're not that same team. The defensive line still is elite. But even then, they're not what it was last year. You know? I'm gonna say the defense line's elite. They're they're like one good dude. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> yeah yeah. He's one, very good though. That's yeah. true. Yeah, they're not elite anymore. But yeah, they're one good dude to kind of master sins of everybody else. But you know what? With that being said, 
no, Kansas City like never really made it to the Super Bowl or even won the Super Bowl based on their defense. It was all you know based on the strength of the offense. Right? Yeah, the strength of the pass game. Yeah, so now that's kind of ebbed a little bit. Now you kind of see where they're going. So I'm going to get into yeah. one of these questions here. Somebody just says, speaking of Tyreek Hill, I think he's going to try to be another Nick Cannon. That sticking and moving he's doing. <laughs> He he very much is a Nick Cannon. What is he on number? He's on number four or five, I think. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he is. I, I, yeah, I, I think he's trying to break some type of record. That's uh, what's going on. I mean, he moved to Miami and had he's had two kids since he's gotten down there. Uh, hey, you know, that's 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 that Miami lifestyle, I guess, isn't it? That's his flavor right there. You know, he, he who, who knows? He makes his money. He makes his money. He gets his yards. He wins his football games. He likes his money and his honey. He can do what he wants. <laughs> He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he can I think do what like, he wants. I think it's like three kids with three different women or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's. He also said he wanted to be a porn star. So that's. Oh his yeah, next... that's his plan for after football is yes. adult films. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know what? He's. Yeah. Interesting know. character right there. I, I, I see him continuing to be famous after he takes he, the gloves off. Listen, I, you know what? He's just the gloves been off. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't but need the gloves anymore. He has been wearing them. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's I got the three kids. Uh, <laughs> The dude's just practicing for his his, his post NFL career. Yep. Then hey, he's in the perfect city to make that happen. Right? He is. You Plenty know, of it there. My Dallas Cowboys are doing uh, much better than uh, expected, but you know what? I am I'm I'm not your typical rabbit Cowboys fan, right? I I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I will say this: until they win a playoff game, whatever. Yeah, until they win a well a a, a playoff game that is you know. They need a must-win playoff game. They haven't, they haven't had any. They get to this point in the playoffs, and it's like they're not prepared for that that true, real matchup that they got to go see at the towards the end. That's going to get them into the Super Bowl or get them into the right, championship yeah. game. Like I said, until these jokers yeah, can beat the other good teams. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I'm just not a fan. You know, like I just don't believe that, that they got it. My mom's a diehard Cowboys fan, and she's telling me. You know, because I'm not a I'm not a big Cowboys watcher at all compared to the other te- some other teams. She's telling me that there's just this certain vibe and aspect to the players, and what she wasn't what she was trying to say, in my opinion, is that a lot of the players for the Cowboys are lacking that dog. You know, that real grinded out, want to go win every game, no matter the circumstances, no matter who's in front of me. I want to go do my job to the best of my ability and win the game. You know, I I think she says she's told me it's CD and Parsons are the only two players they've got in that in that mindset. Like and she's referring to the old Cowboys mindset about how, you know, good we're supposed to be and yeah. what winning is supposed to be. Now, I wasn't really a big football fan of when the last time the Cowboys were guaranteed, you know, were that 49ers Chiefs like team where they're going to win their games. They're going to get to the end of the playoffs, you know. Um, she says that those Cowboys teams used to have that dog, used to have that fight, used to have that drive, and they just don't really have it anymore compared to the you know what, uh, two uh, best players. What, 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 old teams had that swag, right? Yeah, that's what she was. That's what she was saying. Who Emmett? What was his Emmett? What, what? Yeah, yeah, Emmett Smith. Yeah, Troy Aikman. Yeah, those guys. Daryl Johnston. Yeah, uh, and even a little bit later on, you know, it shifted into the new tier of players like that. But in the uh, last, we're not really. Yeah, in terms of winning, <laughs> not really. Yeah, in terms of winning, not really. I mean, I, after those guys left. The Des Bryants, the Wittens of the world, you know. Yeah, it, just, it was just, yeah, the Cowboys were never. 
they were good, but like I said, they get to the playoff games and then they would choke. I, I That's remember what uh, lose when it matters most. Yeah, you know, it's it just it's just disappointing. It, you know, it, it, it I'm 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 just disappointed, right? The Cowboys are making it. They'll make it to the first round, like like during the regular season. They have like the best offense. Like, oh wow, the Cowboys got the the best offense in, in the whole NFL, and then they. They get to the playoffs, but got it how to score, right? Yeah. One year they have the best defense. We had the best defense like in, year, in the league this year. First start half the season, and then you know you get to the playoffs, so you get in to the hard, tough they, part of the schedule. You get the end of the schedule, and if we got to play defense, you know it just it, it is what it is with the Cowboys. You know, like they just have to go over the hump and just kind of figure out, you know, how to win that first game in the playoffs, how to win the second game in the playoffs, and, and make that matriculation on up. But I have I have no faith. Yeah. I have no faith. There's no. It's like Derek Carr and Garoppolo. I have no faith. They're good quarterbacks, but they're always going to stay hurt. So any team and they're going to underthrow the deep throw when it matters most. And any team who hitches their uh, their wagon, those guys are going to be disappointed because one, they're going to play well in stretches and look really good. Then they're going to disappear in the stretches and look like Vinny Testaverde. I'm watching it right now. And Carr gonna, ruining my Saints. <laughs> And then they're going to get hurt, like Garoppolo with the with the Raiders. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to. But you know, hey, yeah, Aiden O'Connell, uh, who came in, who slinging it for the Raiders, and now the crazy Raiders. crazy game he had in that start, his last start. The interim coach is he's dealing. Yeah, we got the interim coach up there, Aiden O'Connell. I mean, the Raiders look like a completely Def- defense picked it up this second half of the year. Interception or you know one or two plus turnovers. I want to say in two I mean, or they, three straight games, they just destroyed Kansas City. Yeah. That Max Crosby, he's different breed as well. Oh yeah, so you know, like I say, no, it's just going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. The, the uh, Eagles look very, very beatable. Jalen Hurts has kind of come down to earth a little bit. And doesn't it doesn't quite look like the Superman he was before? I say the same about Brock Purdy. Yeah, you know, I I never believed he was at that Superman level, but statistically, this you know large chunk of this season he's been playing. Oh, pretty but, much at a, on a tier of his own NFL uh, quarterback wise. Oh, but that's been playing lights out, the guy. It's because of his roster and his his team, and they've got you know that coach out there that actually takes risk and wants to move the ball in interesting ways. And you know, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's not a good quarterback, but he's not you know he's not some perfect QB rating gonna end the season four or five different stats number one, and that means he's the best QB. You know, he's a good quarterback that's been placed in an elite system he seems to be very coachable mm-hmm. you know um which i think is key for quarterbacks uh young quarterbacks in the league and he's just learning still oh yeah you know hey, he's hey. he's taking it day by day he's gonna be great but i don't think he's as great as people acting like he's already some oh he's gonna be the next 49er great and i'm just like well he's gotta win a little you know few times before that could get to the playoffs three years in a row, and maybe we'll start talking to conversations like that. Well, you know, he, he is quarterbacking, so there, that's there's true. That. But is. take away McCaffrey, where you know the team's run game gets massively <laughs> rely on Brock Purdy more, and then let's see how good the team is. That's all I want to know. We'll you know? see. But you know what? I would like to remind all our listeners: Hey, go to our website, wakeup502.com. You can listen to all the shows up there, loaded on podcasts. You can also listen to the show live. So you're out the ballot. You can't you can't remember like where to tune into the show when you're on vacation. Wake up 502.com is all there. And while you're there at the website, so you know, subscribe to our newsletter. And also, you know, become a patron. You know, for like two or three dollars a month, 
contribute to help uh, Wake Up 502 stay on the air and help us bring you that that real sports content, right? You know, all the other shows like to, I'll say this, like we keep it 100%, like we keep it real, and that's because we're independent. So we can kind of say what we want to say, say how we feel, and say what we think, and not have to worry about any of the consequences because we're an independently owned outfit here at Wake Up 502. So, hey, contribute to our Patreon page, Wake Up 502, $2, $3 a month. means a lot to us, helps us keep us going, helps with Sean keeps the lights on, and his son playing basketball. And my daughter playing soccer. <laughs> yes, that's what we want. Wakeup502.com. Go on there. Listen if you uh, were able to uh, weren't able to listen uh, live. If you've got uh, any shows you've missed in the past, go on there and give us a listen. That's wakeup502.com. We're gonna go to break here. Um, uh, Haven, we've got some a couple more questions we're gonna get to when we get back. We'll have you start thinking about. We had a question. Uh, I think NFL should play on Christmas more often because I know my two Christmases nobody was watching NBA. Give that a thought. We're gonna give that a uh, answer when we get back. It's uh, ninety six point one. Wake up five hundred two. Keep it locked on Kentucky Atlas, only locally owned sports talk, 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville. Honey Baked Ham in New Albany is the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches, as well as salads and delicious soups. And you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426, or visit them, 3602 Northgate Court. Suite 23 in New Albany. (laughs) Roosters, a fun casual joint. Join us at Roosters every Monday, all day, for the boneless wing special. Only 79 cents each. Roosters has salads, wings, sandwiches, pizzas, and all of your favorite adult beverages. Roosters has a great family atmosphere. Fun for the whole family. Roosters has TVs everywhere, so you can watch your favorite team. Roosters on Dixie Highway, Preston Highway, Fern Creek, Shelbyville Road, and Springhurst. Haven, you remember my question I ended us with? What was that, sir? Remind me. I'm, I'm, I'm old, man. I'm old. You got you to help an old man out. So, Texter wants to know, or what we think about, I think the NFL should play on Christmas more often because I know my two Christmases, nobody was watching NBA. And that's an interesting point that they're making because I noticed the same thing on Christmas Day. Everybody was more interested in football than they were the NBA games. And I think I have a belief or a theory on why. What's your theory? So, and it's kind of a personal theory, but kind of also, you know, I've seen a couple viral tweets on Twitter that have made me come to this conclusion. But about 10 years ago from right now, 
there was a player in the NBA who, in my opinion, maybe, I'd say, yeah, 10 years from literally right now, maybe 11 years from right now, which, you know, same importance from what I'm about to say is Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James, 10 years from right now, their signature basketball shoes that they wore every game Mm -hmm. had Christmas Day additions. At this time frame of NBA fans and NBA or fans of shoes to NBA players, it was a big craze. Getting that new Christmas Day, Kobe 6s, KD 4s, LeBron 10s, that was a super big deal on Christmas Day. Okay. On top of that, on top of that, back then, anywhere from about 8 to 13 years ago, there was a significant change of the Christmas Day jersey. The jersey that teams wore on Christmas were specifically modified for Christmas Day. You know, special edition, bright version, brighter version of a color that the team was. You know, Miami, there was a year we had shirt, you know, um, jerseys that had the sleeves on them, like regular T-shirt jerseys. Miami had this bright red jersey that wasn't the actual Miami Heat red. You know, it was a Christmas red with a snowflake on the jersey kind of a thing. And then LeBron's signature shoe that year for the Christmas edition was a bright red shoe with a green lace. You know, the NBA doesn't do any of that anymore. Nike doesn't do any crazy cool Christmas Day editions. The players all wear Christmas Day shoes from this time frame that I'm speaking about. They don't change the jerseys anymore. There's not a big emphasis on Christmas Day NBA games other than the matchups of the teams. That's what they're emphasizing, which is, you know, I understand to an extent you're not trying to put a whole bunch of distracting things on the court about the game for Christmas Day. But at the same time, it's Christmas. You're forcing these players to come play on Christmas Day. I think you need to let them go crazy with their shoes again. Let the teams go crazy with their jerseys again and, and change the colors up because you've you've taken away the excitement from NBA Christmas. There is no excitement anymore on Christmas Day NBA, and that's why. That's why it's changed. I think that's why more people are worried about NFL. Because on top of that, and um, you know, the the excitement being changed, you can you can have an idea about two NFL players or or two NFL teams just by knowing the matchup. I think the average person you know, the average sport fan knows more about NFL teams that they don't know or don't care about than they do about the NBA teams that they don't know or don't care about, right? Because it's just a more popular um, sport on TV at the moment in this country. So it makes sense. Um, I'd like to see it too until they change that excitement back to the NBA of giving, you know, the different jerseys and, and not knowing what they're going to be wearing on Christmas Day and giving the matchups a couple like a month, a little month sooner, you know, so you know who's playing on Christmas Day kind of a thing. Um, I think that would be uh, I think that'd be nice. I think it'd be cool to see. But until that happens, NFL is like, you know, more of a you could just relax with the fam and watch an NFL game. Every time I watch an NBA game with the fam, they want to know every detail about this. Well, I don't know who's playing anymore and this and that. And does LeBron still play and da-da-da-da? Well, you know, there's more common knowledge to be had about different NFL teams and players. What do you think? Would you rather see NBA or NFL on Christmas? Okay, see, for me, that's a loaded question because I've always been like a big football guy first. So, yeah, for me, it's NFL all day, every day. But, but 
with that being said, I would not mind at all if they kept Christmas as like an NBA type thing, right? Because it was always like the NBA at Christmas. And yeah. they, like you said, they have the shoes or whatever. But more importantly, the NBA will always put like their best game on Christmas yeah. Day. Like biggest matchups. The biggest matchups. Like the, actually, the three biggest matchups. I remember one time you used to play like three games on, on Christmas Day, right? Mm-hmm. So you put like your best matchups on Christmas Day. And they would hype it up for like weeks on end. You put the finals matchup from last year. You know, they they play their first rematch game since then on Christmas Day. That used to be yeah. a thing too. Yeah, yeah, it's the thing. But the thing is, like, when the NFL, because NFL is so large, NFL commands so many eyes, and NFL is so popular. That as soon as NFL announces, hey, we're playing on this day, then the other leagues just don't try as hard because you know you're not going to get the views that you would have if, if that was like if that was just you right because yeah. NFL just sucks up so much attention you have to understand like anytime the Nielsen ratings come out and you look at the top 10 programs of the year in every year at least 5 at the minimum 5 of those programs are NFL games the minimum are 5 NFL games you know, regardless of what the top sitcom is or what news event breaks out that's super huge, when the ratings drop, the NFL will, will at least have five of the top ten, uh, you know, rating shows. Yeah. And Nielsen, because it is just that popular and it's hard to compete with. So I'm sure the NBA, as soon as they saw the NFL spin on Christmas, they're like, eh, all right, you know, we'll, we'll still put some good games on there for our diehard NBA fans. But they but, knew. They yeah, knew. Yeah, but they knew it. Yes, yeah, whatever. We can't compete. We, I, we just, we just, and we're, and we're not going to compete. I do think they should do one or the other. I don't really mind. It's Christmas, you know. I feel guilty looking at the TV anyway. But one or the other, because they do need to give the chance. You know, you're you're taking away views from uh from e- each um organization when you're playing them both on a, such a big day like that for sure. A follow up question would. Would Haven watch MJ in his prime with the Bulls or NFL on Christmas? I'm a football guy, so that would be uh, <laughs> NFL on Christmas. I see. I, I see. was to watch NFL on Christmas. I'm a big NFL head. It's my favorite sport, favorite league. I mean, NBA head. I'm a big NBA head. So um, I would. Who's your would, team? I'm a big Lakers fan. I'm a what? I'm a, well, I'm a so I'm a diehard Kobe fan. Kobe's the reason I fell in love with the sport. Um, got a big mural of him in my room, really, in my living room. Got a tattoo of his eight from his jersey when he was number eight. What? As well. Yeah, I'm a big, big Kobe fan. He's the reason I fell in love with Man, the sport. You know what? You know he is the second greatest Laker of all time. So second greatest Laker. Okay, that's a that's a conversation for another oh, day. No, 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 no. We have that right now because Rashawn's also a big Lakers. Is a big Kobe's fan. I tell him all the time. He's the second best Laker of all time. He is the greatest Laker of all time, he and is, here's why I tell you. He's so. the second best Laker of all time. It's not even close. Are you saying Magic Johnson's a greater one? Yes. No. Magic is the greatest Laker of all time. Okay, you you go first. I'm going to tell you why Magic is the greatest Laker of all time. I'm going to tell you why Kobe is the greatest Laker of all time. Not even close. First of all, Kobe broke the man code, so he can't be the greatest just because of that fact right there. <sighs> but continue. That's true. He did. But in my reasoning, Kobe is in a generation that was a harder generation to be great in. He was greater. 
He did more individually, individually. Now, what I will say is I don't think that Magic gets enough credit for what he did immediately as a rookie from 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 Magic never had a period of needing to get better. He never needed that. He never had that. He came in and was an all-star from day one in the NBA. He, he was the man from jump. From the jump. He was the man from before the jump. He came in as the man. He came in as the man. He already felt like the man. He already won a national championship before he stepped foot in the NBA. Back then, you know, it meant a lot. Still does now, but back then it was different gravy compared to now um, when you're the point guard at a school like Michigan State. <clears throat> However, Magic Johnson also never played on the Lakers team without a loaded roster. He always had at least a second all-star caliber player with him for I want to say what he played. My next point is he didn't play long enough. He only played how many years did he play, Haven? Do you know? Yeah, like 12. 11 or 12 or something. To me, I mean, I get you were good every single year. You had a successful season every year, but you got to give me more than that as a point guard. He had AIDS, and everybody was scared the time, so he he couldn't play. Like He wanted to play. He just couldn't play. (sighs) That's ah. But, But continue. I think that his ability, lastly, is his ability, his passing ability. I believe, in my opinion, and like I said, I'm you know I'm a young guy. I'm 25 years old. I didn't get to watch him live. I have to go on those websites and watch 1983LakersLiveGame.com um, to go find a website to just watch a game without you know with everything you know because you can only watch highlights from then unless you go find a website that's got the full games posted um youtube has a, sometimes a, a little series where they post old games but i obviously i haven't been able to get to see as much i've only seen the highlights and the best plays and then the great stats but from what i've seen and read you know stati- statistically magic johnson's abilities were somewhat limited he was a floor runner with great passing ability he wasn't going to go create his own shot and get you a bucket in crunch time from 12, 13 feet away. He wasn't a shooter. He couldn't shoot. His jump shot ability wasn't great. You know, he relied on having good players because of his passing ability. Now, granted, his passing ability was otherworldly. He had a true, true eyes in the back of his head. I've never seen anybody with, you know, a greater passing ability. When the, and I've only seen the highlights, you know, I haven't I didn't get to see all the dimes that were missed layups that he didn't get the assist on, you know, um, like you guys got to see. But Kobe was an all around more skilled basketball player. And in my opinion, he did more with that ability with less help in a time frame of his career. Now, you know, they both have these time frames of having a player technically a better scorer than them. Right. You know, they both technically played with the best scorer in the league at the time. Kobe played with Shaq. <laughs> Magic played with Kareem. So it's hard to truly justify it, you know. But I think they're, you know, they're right up there. I just think when you're ranking the 10 greatest players in the NBA, and I get that, you know, the player can be greater in the NBA in his and in, in throughout history and still not be a somewhat more important team player, right? Kobe can be a greater NBA player, but Magic can still be a greater Laker. People make that argument. I don't make that argument. I think Kobe is the fourth or fifth or sixth best player, and Magic isn't. I think Magic's the sixth or seventh or eighth best player of all time. You know, that's just how I rank my tiers, and I think that if Kobe's higher up okay, okay, okay. in that ranking, okay, how, can the, how can he be a better Laker? Okay, uh, okay, uh, youngster. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you how. This is why Magic Johnson is – 
the greatest Laker of all time. Easily. Okay, now I will give you this. I will give you that statistically, Kobe's a much better player, better scorer, better prolific defender. scorer, better defender, better all ball defender, better team defender, better shooter, better three point shooter, better dribbler. I would give you all that that Kobe has over Magic. Leadership and passing ability. I get it. I get but it. Let's no, hear it. No, it's not even that. It's not even that. But what Kobe is missing that Magic had in spades, besides the passing ability, right? Is that is that Magic was the embodiment of the entire NBA. Magic created Showtime. He single-handedly rescued the league and brought the league to the next level. That was all magic. When Magic got to L.A. and he brought in Showtime. He did. He That completely – the Lakers have been trying to get back to Showtime ever since. He tripled, tripled TV ratings after his first year. Yes. And that's why he is – the greatest Laker of all time because he made the Lakers. The Lakers were a good franchise before he got there, right? Even when there was a Minnesota and before, the, even yeah, yeah even, even there was a Minnesota before they moved to moved to L.A. They were always you know a pretty good franchise. He took it. Not only he took it to the next level, right? He took it to complete superstardom, to where it was must see TV where you had to watch Magic every single game much ctv the whole he literally lit not only did he triple the ratings for the lakers but he doubled the ratings for the nba yeah he was that man and that's to me and that is the difference like kobe may be like the quote-unquote better pure basketball player but when it comes to what you mean to a franchise and what you mean to the league and and, and what you mean to the community you can't beat Magic. That's see, that's the thing though. I think magic means more to the league. He's only second to Michael Jordan. Yeah. And his importance to the NBA. You could argue first. You could argue first, you know. Um, but Michael Jordan and to the importance to the NBA, pre pre, you know, Kobe and LeBron being at the level they were, there was no debate. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and were a tier, you know, and then you, they say Jordan wouldn't have got the ability to be as famous if he was if Magic wouldn't have revamped the league and got it popular again. You know what I mean? Oh, you do. I mean, those epic battles between, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics, where they were basically trade championships. Yeah, we're not giving Larry enough credit here either. But Oh, oh, Larry's one of the, yeah, one of the greatest. I don't know people like to say Jokic is like the greatest white basketball player of all no, time. But no, 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 no. Not, not yet. <laughs> oh, not even close. No, not he, yet. Not he close yet. would never be – at the level that Matt, that, that Larry Bird was, Larry Bird is like a, another level of good. I mean, he took he took Indiana State to the to the championship game in college. Yeah, and what else do you need to know? But no, you. But Magic literally took the league by storm, took America by storm, and was just that transformational guy. You know, it's like 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 I say, you know, it's like he may have not had the statistics, and may not, and, and, and may have not been the the pure basketball player that Kobe was. But what he meant to the team and the league, Kobe could 
couldn't even come, can't come close. Yeah. To touch but then again, with, with that point though, no one could, could they? That's why he's the greatest Laker. Okay, I get your point there. Yeah, that's why he's the greatest Laker. Was, it's not about stats and numbers. If it's about stats and numbers, you know what? Kobe's better hands down. I, I would give you that. Kobe is hands down like the best Laker for stats and. Okay, honestly, if we're arguing, it's probably Will Chamberlain may actually maybe the greatest Laker. Well, he didn't. I don't. Yeah. Um, because Will Chamberlain was as a, that as what, a player, that? but career wise, I don't know if he did enough. No, he, he, no, he no. spread it all out too much. Well, he, he, he did score hundred points. <laughs> he scored hundred points for Philly, though. Yeah, that's for Philly. But I will say this. So, but so, yeah, he, he did. I think yeah. he broke the block record. Will was definitely a Laker great. But, but I will say this. But statistically speaking, yes, Kobe is. The best Laker, if you're just going by the stat book, right? If you're going by a stat book and ability and just pure basketball ability, Kobe is the greatest Laker. But if you're going by, like, what you mean to the team and your influence on the team, oh, it's not even close. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. And that's, you know, that's funny because the points that I made weren't based on that too. So, yeah. Kobe, I, yeah, Kobe, the better basketball playing Laker. Magic's the greatest influential he, he's, player. He's, but, to this but, day, Magic's had the also most one influence. The, really. He's still, he's, he's still a, a great. They're, 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 it's hard to compare them because they're different type of players. Because Magic literally played every position on the yeah. court. Yeah, and he did it immediately. Yes, starting in the finals as a rookie at center, and never played center. Truly, truly amazing, amazing players there. We're talking about, but like, but Kobe's your favorite player. Of the NBA, my favorite player, and I know we only have uh, about four minutes left to go, two minutes left to go on the show. My favorite player of all time in, in, in the NBA is going to surprise you, Dennis Rodman. Really? That yes. is surprising. Dennis Rodman is my favorite player because the man, the worm, was an anomaly. The man would literally do coke and prostitutes all night long, come in literally like seconds before the game start, change to a jersey, Give you 18 points, five block shots, guard the whatever big man that he had to guard, and 18 rebounds. Yeah, and would and would leave and come back. The man, the man couldn't score a point, but he didn't need to. He didn't, he, he didn't need to score any points. The the man literally won a tag team championship on Monday Night Nitro, and then the very next day <laughs> won uh, a championship game like in in the finals. That's so crazy. Yeah, Dennis Rodman didn't he didn't care about the expectations or the social norms or what was expected of him and he did what he wanted. Excuse me. He did what he wanted and lived how he wanted and 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 they couldn't control him was what the most amazing part of it to me is when you're on a caliber team like that and every caliber team like that we've had in the last handful of years has had a player who is a tier above everybody else. And it's just like, you know, I'm not going to say common knowledge or an unwritten rule, but there's nobody, there's never, like, in the past, like, six or seven NBA championship teams, there has they've none of them had a player that's, like, abnormally outspoken, abnormally, you know, a technical foul type of, well, Draymond Green is is kind of one of those guys, but even then, his, his basketball IQ is so high, and he's so understanding of the game that he's just, he's playing He's playing his own game, and it's he's playing it with the refs. Dennis Rodman was genuinely a freak of nature at certain abilities, you know, um, and didn't really have the highest basketball IQ either. Um, he just knew he had to get a rebound, when to jump. His timing was impeccable, and he didn't, you know, he he said, "I want to, I want to stop the best player on the other team from scoring every time he guarded him." 
Um, and that was an amazing thing about him. But the hair and the and the earrings and the piercings, God, what a character he was. There you go. Hey, you know what? Our time is almost up. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Tune in to Mavis Sports. We have a happy new year. Yes, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, we're gonna we're gonna hear you all. See you all next week. We appreciate you tuning in. Next week, the new year. Hey, happy new year for the main. Happy new year from Wake Up Five Hundred Two, Rashawn Myers, Jerry Hazard, and our cast of characters. Roman did a great job, man. We love you, big. Can't wait to see what you do next year, which will be next week. Sounds <laughs> good. McAllister's Deli, where it's made fresh for you. The dining room is open, providing a safe environment following all state and CDC guidelines. Download the app to order carryout or delivery. Visit any of our 11 area locations for the regional favorite. Every regional favorite is handcrafted and made to order using fresh, high-quality ingredients. We promise that every generous portion will be served with a smile as big as the one it'll leave on your face. McAllister's Deli.